Hi, everyone. I am Sarah Edmondson, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Anthony Ames, Sarah's husband, a.k.a. Nippy. And we're here to talk about things that are... A little little bit bit culty. Speaking of, we were in a cult, and we woke up, thank goodness, and we have a lot to say. And a lot to ask. This podcast is going to be a deep dive into everything from the red flags to the narcissism, the manipulation, the resiliency, the recovery process, and everything in between. Also, we want to share some of the good we got out of it so you can get all the nuggets without having to join a cult. If you haven't already, because there are a lot of things out there that are just a little bit culty. Welcome to A Little Bit Culty, a podcast about the fads, beliefs, and trends that blur the line between healthy and a little bit culty. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And find us on Instagram if you have any suggestions for things you have found to be a little bit culty. Under the surface, the water fills my lungs. This ground I worship has swallowed up its young. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. (laughs) It's Sarah here with my husband, Nippy. Thanks for subscribing and for tuning in today to the very first official episode of A A Little Little Bit Bit Culty. Also, since you aren't here, you can't see, Nippy is looking so dapper. He's also wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt because today is... Axl Rose's birthday. Because the thing is, is like... Y'all got a good sense of who Nippy is from The Vow. And if you watch The Vow. If you watch The Vow and, and you know, how what a great husband he is. But you don't really know the nuances of his personality, which are very... You don't really need to, maybe. No, but either. I want people I to know. know. I want people I mean, to know that, like, he can rock a Guns N' Roses t-shirt on the weekend. And a lot of people wanted to know before we get into, like... All the juicy stuff. Why is Nippy called Nippy? And I'm going to let you tell that story, babe, because I feel like that's, it's that's you. It's somewhat underwhelming. Um but I'll give it a go because I've had to do this before, um, believe it or not. Full name, Anthony Nippert, N-I-P-P-E-R-T, Ames. Nippert is my mom's maiden name. Her name is Isitra Nippert. And my dad is Anthony Ames. So they went Anthony Nippert Ames and thought it would be a good idea to call me Nippy, which okay. was uh, it's good for until about second or third grade. And it turns pretty hard on you at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, but I was also kind of buffered because my brother's names were which are Huey, Dewey, Louie, and I have a little sister named Daisy. So it was like Huey, Nippy, Louie, and Dewey. So I was kind of lumped in with a whole other other names. And I kind of like <laughs> kind, of- kind of got a little bit of hall pass because my brother's names were the ducks. And <laughs> Nippy never really got, I mean, you know, the obvious jokes that went with Nippy, Nipple, like, you know, I get it, you know, but nothing really. I try to call him nothing. Anthony. I really do. Nobody's really made fun of my name successfully since the eighties. Really, it's never. I'm just like I get it, but you get used you know, to it. Yeah, it's um, like the smell in a Bikram's yoga class. You just... I don't know if my name's akin to that per se. <laughs> um, uh, oh, speaking of Bikram, speaking of Bikram, we're going to talk about that in one of our episodes. Great segue. We are going to also give you a little lowdown about what we're planning on doing with this podcast, what we're going to cover, um, and some guidelines. I think it's important to have some guidelines. And while we're at it, can I go ahead and sure. read those to you? Yeah. Um, I do think this is important. When we talk about what we're going to talk about, we're going to wax serious. We're probably going to have two gears here. Goofy and then pretty serious. So it's pretty he- heavy stuff. I think it's fun to come at it from a 
an angle of a little more humor. Which and is necessary for our healing, don't you think? Yes. A lot of laughter. Yes. Yeah. Laughter is. But that's where we are in our healing. And for some people with this topic, it's not always funny, um, especially at first. A lot of people have been hurt by one particular person, Keith Ranieri. And a lot of people at different, very different stages in different cases. And we want to be sensitive to everyone that has shrapnel in them from this situation. So my first rule is no shit talk. Yeah, we're not we're not here to put any well, shit down. talk anyone. Don't I mean it's just they don't need it. They don't need to be banged on any more than they probably are doing to themselves. So, and the other is, or one of the other ones is, we want to be a voice to I think what ninety nine percent of the people signed up for, mm-hmm. and don't have an outlet to express that. Now I'm not saying we're the voice for all of them, but I think most of the people, and I'd say it's up to ninety nine percent of them, got in for good reasons and. Mm-hmm haven't had their story told responsibly, you know, and that is the other one. I think I want to be as responsible as we can with our platform. Anyway, here we are in these unprecedented times. And I thought it would just be fun to um, warm up because we've never done this before. And this is co- so cool that we have You've this done part. this more than me. Well, no, we've never done this before together. Oh, no, no. No, this is like our <laughs> no, first time. <laughs> this is definitely our first time on a podcast. You can probably figure that out. Anything else you want to update with before the questions? Um, I guess what and why we're doing the podcast for, um, who we're going to be interviewing. We have, a, we have a good list of that. And Experts, the, survivors, whistleblowers. And the kind of episodes you can expect. So there's going to be episodes with experts. We're still coining a term for the people uh, that escaped. Uh, we don't like calling them victims per survivors. se. Survivors. I like calling them winners. Sarah's not really down with that. Yeah, it's a little um, bit cheesy to me, but I don't know. They they're winners. winners. They're winners. They, they got won. out. So there's going to be those types of guests. And then there's going to be another kind of podcast episode where we're going to go into the modules of the curriculum and really take apart what was interesting, what appealed to people about the modules and how those things can be used to manipulate you. And what was good about it? Like, what, you know, we want to share what was good about each module and also how, you know, what was bad about it, which is what Nippy said. That's the manip- manipulative part. So imagine those will have more questions after we do them. Anyway, that's going to be one avenue. And then... um that's the structure. I want to also say really quickly how this sort of came to be, which was that we were contacted by Citizens of Sound, who makes podcasts. And the wife of the, the of the duo team there basically said, we saw the vow and we think you should do a podcast. <laughs> and that was there was more to it than that. But our first response was like, oh, my God, there's so many podcasts out there. And, you know, we've told our story. And then um, I casually put it out there on one of my Instagram stories asking if people thought that we should or if there's an appetite for that. And the response was overwhelming with what you all want to know more about and, you know, what, what they'd like to hear from us. So, you know, Nippy and I are, like we said in the intro, we've, you know, we've, we're the kinds of people who've always wanted to help. We bet on the wrong horse and this was, this is the next step. So we hope that this helps whatever content we create in the next 12 or so episodes. Well, it is going to, if we do it well, we just take our wisdom and put it into content and people will understand what it is if they want to, you know, if we articulate it well. I hope so. So that's our aim. If we articulate, you know, how, the, how these things happen uh, and you can put it into some sort of relatable context in your own life, then I think we've done a good job. Yeah, um, exactly. And we, uh, just to wrap, circle back, we chose- You just circled back <laughs> you, on to me. To circle back, um, <laughs> we chose Citizens of Sound because they- related to our experience because they were they escaped a fundamentalist church group and so they understand and you know i think most of the people that watch the vow get it because they understood 
what we went through and most and then every now and then there's just people who don't get it and i want to work with people who get it so here we are well also we were just talking before earlier today how we experienced some dark unwittingly and it's big time dark actually yeah some some very dark stuff and then when we came out we immediately started experiencing some light like incredible people like light. really great people People always ask, you know, like, you know, how does this affect you? It reaffirmed some of the things that I had already learned inside taking these these classes and, and all that, that there's a lot of good people and most people are good. I do believe that. I do believe that that's a majority of, of people and it only takes a, a little bit of dark to get good people to do things unwittingly. So it wasn't so much, at least for me, and I, I don't know if I speak for you on this, my trust had been hurt. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem with how I committed to something. Mm-hmm. And and my intentions, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you did either. You know, it was how I committed and how I went about things really wasn't what I struggled with. It was mm-hmm. just getting duped and conned. Mm-hmm. That's been a hard pill and, to and, swallow. And just and, and being so wrong was was the most like I call it solar plex. <laughs> <laughs> you feel it in your solar plex mm-hmm. and you feel sick to your stomach. It, it's that. It's that kind. How of, long did that last for for you? Um. Like six weeks or something? I don't know. It's like a bad breakup. Yeah. Right? You wake up at three in the morning, you know. It does last for a while. I had two waves of it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I had an initial wave of it, and then I went into sniper mode for I what I call that. sniper mode. <laughs> I was in protect family mode. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just different. I, if When it feels like you're in danger, there's just a lower... I can feel it in the back of my brain. Mm-hmm. I can feel it when I wake up. Like, I was in a mode of head on a swivel. When Keith got arrested... Mm-hmm. I felt a little better about it. And then I didn't really feel again, the con and the pain of that to like January of 18. So we're like six, seven months in. Mm-hmm. And then I felt it differently then. Mm-hmm. And then how did you feel when he got 120? I kind of felt like he, w- he was going to go away. I mean, look, that doesn't feel good on any like mm-hmm. human level. Just the fact that that goes on doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt it was justice. Mm-hmm. Do you feel vindicated? No, I mean, I, I didn't need that to vindicate me. We already knew. Yeah, I need that to vindicate. And where are you now? These are your questions. You just sneak them on. Just me? Did you just circle back just and throw some with questions? My questions. Right. Where are you now? What's where am I now? Yeah, the valve finished a couple months ago. We're in semi. Well, look, I mean, COVID lockdown. Where I was never comfortable with that whole having the camera on me and, and all that stuff. I also felt like um, we didn't tell our story. Someone else was. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell it and probably I don't think as responsibly at times, you know, I mean, I'm not saying we're the definitive but the vow, story. The vow told our story or that segment of our story yeah. is it still going, right? Yeah. No, we got lucky. I mean, we met amazing people over the last few years. You're right. We've the light compensated. And I think that's ultimately where to recap where I think we are as a family now is that We've had to keep going back to what's positive from this. What can I pull from this that's good so that, I mean, if you stay in that dark place, it's just too hard on your psyche and your yeah, soul. Turning a negative into a positive. But, I, look, I hate to ask you this, but. Ask me, come on, get, bring it on. This is for the fans, Sarah. This isn't for me. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I, the only reason I'm asking this is because I've seen it like five times. Did Keith ever try and hit on Sarah? Oh my God. I know. I just, I feel like I went to like first grade, but okay. Let's get the salacious shit out of the way. Let's get this crap out of the way. And then we get into like the real shit. This answer has got some, it's like a three part answer. They also asked if they hit on me, but 
That's a dumb question. No, sorry. There's no dumb questions. You can ask us whatever you want. Okay. So no, that's a dumb question. at first I thought, no, I'm like, <laughs> why did he hit if he had this harem, why didn't he hit on me? Then I found out when I left and I talked to the other women that he, he was with that got out. Cause as you know, some people remain true believers. That's not how he doesn't hit on people overtly. He, he actually sets it up quite brilliantly to make it look like you're approaching him. And how he does that is he has people around him um, like his, you know, um, inner circle, getting these young women to ask him for his time to say, would you please, you know, are you free for a walk? The first thing was often, well, even before that, you're supposed to go to Albany, just to come to volleyball. And I think that of the people that came to volleyball, in other words, people who traded their sleep to spend their time in a cold gymnasium to maybe have a personal encounter with the Vanguard himself, got past a, like almost a test. And I had Truthfully, I think I went to volleyball less than five times in my entire 12 years there. Maybe more at the beginning because I was more of a keener. But eventually I was like, I need to sleep. I'm paying $7,000 for this Yeah, training. don't mess with your sleep. I don't. Yeah, Nippy knows. I'm a high-maintenance sleeper. I've got earplugs. I've got a head mask thing. Dude, you, you sleep Sometimes like a, a mouth guard. You sleep like a mummy. And like with, with pillows six pillows. I surround myself in pillows. And like, anyway. So it's a cloud, really. I'm, a, I'm, I'm well, the next thing they would have said, I'm attached to my comfort. Oh, and that's what they would say. What does it mean, Sarah, if you're choosing your comfort over spending time with Keith? And I'm like, well, it means I like my sleep. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I didn't go to volleyball, but I was encouraged to ask him for time going for walks. And I believe I went for two walks with him again over my 12 years. There's women there who went for walks with him almost every day. So anyway, I never had that time with him, but I now looking back, I feel like I just didn't jump through the hoops that would have brought me closer to him, which is when he apparently made his move. He would bring you to Albany, you know, or you'd go to Albany, you'd have a walk with him. He'd start a new company. He'd invite you to build that company. He'd start mentoring you. And then at some point he would offer to coach you through, and this is according to the other women, like through their issues by means of a personal relationship with him but it would have to be private. Like you weren't to share that or speak of it to anyone. Like the women didn't tell the other women about it. So. Also, you were busy recruiting. Yeah. I think at a certain point, I mean, you left me I mean, home. also like, like when we would go home, we'd work. Like, yeah. And then when we had in a kid, it was like. When we had a kid, I was more off the radar. But I, in retrospect, no. So like, yes and no. No, he didn't hit on me. Was he trying to? I believe so. Yes. And then that was confirmed when the trial was going on last year. And Lauren shared that. Keith was excited that she had locked me down to a lifetime commitment and told her, remember this? Should I say this in the podcast? I mean, you know, (laughs) whatever. You're going to hold back now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, Keith, Lauren said in the trial, Keith was excited that she had secured me and my commitment and said to her, do you know that, that if you tell her that she has to have sex with another man, she has to comply. And Lauren said, yes. Now, of course I didn't know anything about that until the trial and that sort of brought things full circle for yeah, me, but trial was as horrifying for yeah. us as it was for people finding out. But I think um, he, I think he was trying to break us up. I mean, that makes sense. No, put look, his initials I mean, on my body. <laughs> get, like, a, get a level of this guy's psychopathy. Is that the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way our organization described what a quote integration was or what an EM did is basically just to build more self-awareness. But the way they described it was inductive and deductive experience. And the difference between inductive and deductive is inductive is um, more experiential. Like if I'm going to teach you tennis, do I give you the manual or do I give you lessons? Inductive would be getting the lessons. Deductive would be getting a manual on how to play tennis. So what they claimed that an integration did was is you would have a piece of information 
be presented to you. And normally it was after someone asked you a question that would integrate your belief system with your past and you would then have an understanding of why you did certain behaviors. So the way an integration worked in the movie, The Sixth Sense, and this is a spoiler alert, but there's a part at the end of the movie we recognize Bruce Willis had been dead. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Can I jump on on this? Go, circle back. So, I'm t- tangenting. So in the movie, and they would even explain this during intro presentations, do you remember how you feel in oh, the right. movie? You're like, what's going on here? This is, I don't understand. And the very end, you get one piece of information. What's the one thing you didn't know the whole time that you find out at the end? Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. Right. And then we would ask, now how does it feel to find out that Bruce Willis is dead? Almost, I'd say seven to eight times out of 10, the person would say, you go back and you recapitulate Reconcile, everything. Yeah. Re- re- recapitulate. Recapitulate right. everything with new eyes. And right? every scene looks different. Every scene looks different. Like, oh, that's so, why she's not looking at him. He's, she can't see him. Right. He's, not, he's a ghost. So the idea is, is you're going to get a piece of information that's going to help you recognize that there was a blind spot in your decision making you know, your whole life. And that is called an integration. And that goes through an experiential thing. So I think the con, and this is, this isn't giving him credit so much for being a genius or smart because a lot of people have a lot of pride going like he's smart because I would never fall for that. And that's a whole nother, that'll be in a podcast, that kind of psychology that is human. We all have, but one of the things that I thought thinks interesting about it, and he gave us that example because I think when we left the organization, you had that piece of information that Keith was a con man the whole time. That's kind of a sixth sense moment. Because you go back. And I think that's what he was consciously setting up for people to have. I conjure. You're going to see it and you're going to recapitulate it. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to go back and replay every scene. You're going to see what a psychopath I am. But no one else is going to see it. Until it's too late. Until it's too late. We tell our stories. We change the world. A Little Bit Culty is proud to support the hashtag I Got Out Project, which empowers survivors of cultic abuse to share their stories online as a catalyst for education, prevention, and healing. Learn more about the hashtag I Got Out movement and find resources at igotout.org. Spring has sprungeth. And you know what else is springing up? Hair. All across the land, people who have added Nutrafol to their hair health regimen are waking up to healthier, thicker manes. And that's a beautiful thing, because hair thinning is complicated. And the problem is, it's actually much bigger than your hair alone. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health, and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and grows. Nutrafol's whole-body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. And that's why we're thrilled to be on Team Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people saying thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplement for six months. 86. I like those numbers. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code CULTI. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code CULTI. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code CULTI. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
As you can probably imagine, being in a cult for over a decade took a toll on some of my relationships with my closest friends and family. And something that has helped me mend those relationships has been working on my most complicated relationship of all time, the one I'm having with me. Therapy has been a great place to work through all that tricky stuff and can help you in your relationships too, whether it's with your friends, your coworkers, your significant other, or anyone. Things like coping skills, boundaries, communication, you can practice any of that in therapy and see big differences. I swear by therapy. Oh boy, do I swear by it. Yep, I love this journey for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's all online and you can schedule around what works for you. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Plus, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. No brainer. This is the time of year when people talk about finding their soulmates and you can always become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash culty today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash culty. Hello, dear culty listeners. We would love to recommend a podcast to you right now. It's called Sounds Like a Cult. It's a podcast about all the culty groups we follow these days. It's a more lighthearted twist on cults. Think Disney adults, church camp, Swifties, and those Stanley Cups that everyone's using these days. Wait, I have one of those Stanley Cups. Does that mean I'm in a new cult? Here's looking at you, Sarah. I mean, how else do you bring so much water with you when you go to sporting events? You need one of those Stanley Cups. Stanley's Cult. On Sounds Like a Cult's new season, host Amanda Montel, one of my favorite people, chooses a different fanatical fringe group from the cultural zeitgeist and analyzes it with the help of expert guests, listener Collins, juicy stories, and hilarious games to figure out if the group of the week is a live your life, a watch your back, or a get the fuck out level cult. It's a great blend of fascinating and fun. Speaking of live your life or watch your back, I loved the episode about the cult of chiropractors. Now listen, we go to the chiropractor all the time, but some chiropractors can be a little bit culty. Amanda, you brought up a great point. I got a bit defensive at first about my chiropractor because I think mine's a good one, but not all of them are. But that's sort of the point to look at the groups or the things that we follow and figure out if it's healthy or not. And that's why we love this show. My favorite is the one on Amazon. I knew it, Jeff Bezos. He's a cult leader. I knew it the whole time. Does this mean I have to give up my Prime membership? No, no, of course not. Just, you know, live your life and watch your back? Mm, I guess so. A new season just dropped, most recently the one on K-pop. Who knew? And I'm definitely not in that cult. <laughs> I feel like the little bit culty listeners would also really love the cult of Purity Rings featuring Kelsey from Normal Gossip. And of course, the self-help episode starring yours truly, which was so much fun. And by the way, Amanda, please have me back. Wait, is she going to come back on ours? I think so, because Amanda has a new book and we can't wait to have her on to discuss that. We cannot wait to have Amanda back. Amanda, we love you and we love your podcast. I'm sure we're going to love your new book too. Sounds Like a Cult is available on all major podcast platforms and new episodes come out every Tuesday. For more, find the show on Instagram at Sounds Like a Cult Pod. Happy listening. But essentially, like, if you look into the the level of a psychopath, like, I, I guess there's the good ones are the ones that are the most patient. Good in terms of being able to being just good at more it. things. Well, they studied yeah. it, right? They understand, like, you know, so, and I think that's what he did. And so, and we were none the wiser. But and the moment when you the go, moment when you realize that happened, that's a sixth sense moment almost, because you go back and you go, "Fuck, this is true. This is true. All it's the media. in the news." All the media that we thought was a smear campaign, all of it. So you go back and look at the the years that you were in and loyal with the new set of eyes. They hide in plain sight. Bob Dylan's song about it, right? Mm -hmm. Man of Peace, where they just basically could be your 
local policeman, mm-hmm. could be your local priest. These things are out there. They're dark. And just a little bit culty. Uh, those are culty. a lot culty. A lot anyway, so not to get too morose, but that's going to be the theme of what we're getting into. Do you feel like you, Nippy, after all this, are better at, at spotting manipulation? Um, I think the kind of manipulation that I experienced, I know to ask questions differently. You saw me go back and forth in this whole political thing, what's going on last year. Like, I'm definitely like, I kick the tires differently now. Yeah, a lot of with people, my new set of eyes. <laughs> a lot of people ask us what you know what we think about what's happening politically, and we'll do an episode about that. Are you still friends with people from Nexium? Um, I'm friends with the people that were good friends. Most of them were friends before, lifetime friends. The friends that I met in Nexium, there's just a few that managed and managed to salvage those relationships. Um, they're just it's really hard to maintain healthy friendships once you've been through a toxic, abusive ranking system where you're. The people above you are there to g- gently abuse you towards your growth. And also, like, we were in that hierarchy, too. Yeah. So, the, we're, I mean, I'm sure you can find some people. Some there's people, people who that, don't like us, you know. Yeah. And, and we're we, villain in someone's stories. And maybe rightfully so. We're some of them. Like, yeah. I mean, we weren't overtly. But we've tried pretty hard to try to find those people and fix things. Yeah. That's you know? what this is about. Would you talk to Lauren and Nancy Salzman? And for those of you who don't know that, that's Lauren and Nancy Salzman from The Vow. Uh, not from the vow, from Nexium, and they're mentioned in the vow. Uh, Lauren was a daughter of the president, Nancy Salzman, and we worked with them. I know a lot of people ask you about them. What's your, how do you feel about that? I think it's changed drastically over the past three years. I went from being incredibly angry and felt so hurt and betrayed by both. And since, you know, time passed and doing a lot of introspection and healing and all the, all the work post, uh, post-cult, I, you know, I feel like they both need to be held accountable, but in my emotionality, I forgive them. I don't feel angry towards them anymore. I hope they can get some semblance of a life back because I don't think anyone signed up for this. I don't think that was, I think they got, their heads got fucked with too. Do you see them as victims as well? As well. Yeah, absolutely. They they weren't, they weren't planning on being, I don't even know what you call that. What, what were yeah. they? They ended up being co-conspirators in a sex trafficking case. Like it's, right. oh, wait, they, hold on. Is that the actual proper term? I'm going wrong. Pimp. Term. Is actual the term they ended up pimping him, pimping him, pimping yeah. for him. Yeah, it's um, pretty gross. But yeah, no, I would talk to them. I I would like to talk to hmm. Lauren actually. It's one day when all of this is over, and just have closure. It's important for me to have closure with people. And explain that because I don't have, that. Don't have that. I don't yeah. have that. I'm not. I don't feel that way. Um. Well, there's a. <laughs> it's like if we have an argument or something, and you're going to leave to drop Troy off at school. I don't feel comfortable with you leaving until. We're good. Even if it's like I'm your husband. I didn't roll you into a sex cult. <laughs> no, I know. There's a big difference there. I know. But there's a there's a feeling I have of I don't like to leave something where there's unresolved anything. I just I like I like things to be at least acknowledged. It doesn't have to mean we're best friends. But I, I for me closure would be, you know, an apology. I just wanna I wanna hear things from her side. I wanna know I want, I want to know what went behind the scenes as we did our thing, as we exited. Yeah, and, and I guess. I mean, I, I'd, I'd watch it if it was on video. I don't you don't want to talk to I her? I don't, I don't, I'm I kind of just want to face-to-face. Like, honestly, it's weird. I kind of want to hug her. Do I have Stockholm Syndrome? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, look. <laughs> I mean, I can frame it for you like this, and you can take it for what it's worth. They saw who he was and kept it from us, and we made major life decisions because they kept the true nature of who Keith Raniere was from us. I and totally that, agree. That, that fucked us. Yeah. 
It, did, so, it totally did, and I get that. And they took their psychology that they professed to be this altruistic kind of loving thing and used it to want to see us in jail. And if they had it their way, we would have been in jail, and they would have had no fucking problem doing that. They protected him. I, I still think because their heads had been fucked with that they were protecting him for good reason. They were doing the ethical thing to protect him because people wouldn't understand about his lifestyle. That's what they were led to believe, right? So it's not that I think that's wrong i think that's totally wrong yeah, but yeah. they're all they would they, they didn't sign up going hey we'd like to be part of this personal development group and you're going to lie about the leader so that he can funnel in young women for his sexual deviant practices like they weren't like oh yeah that sounds great you know none of us signed up for it, it yeah i guess in stages. yeah i get it i know i mean i'm mad at them for being more susceptible than something i was susceptible yeah. to I okay that, i can get around that i mean one day you'll be as compassionate <laughs> as me babe. <laughs> yeah, yeah i hope so oh uh no but my point is, i i to me, in my psychology, I'm still like, I can't give that anymore my life force. And maybe that'll change, you know? I mean, it doesn't mean I don't look at them and go and feel badly for their situation. I guess what I'm saying about me for my life force is that it actually is, takes less life force because I have this level of forgiveness. And it's just not, to, <laughs> I'm just so much more involved. You know what? Touche. Touche. Right? Do you know what I mean, though? Like, just let it, it's part of, for me, it's been part of my healing. Yeah. I get where you're at and you'll catch up. And that's sure. like, just, you know, this is what Nikki okay, does to that. me all the time. I love that. Time. You just come, you just, your voodoo just. Got him back. That's some good Kung Fu right there. Oh, it's okay. Thank you. This yeah. is actually a question that came in today, which I think is great. Um, somebody asked, was, what was the culture of sex and the whole poly thing that came out about Keith's lifestyle? Oh. Um, and were the men winking and looking the other, other way because they wanted a piece of that pie too? And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's and, from a friend of ours. Yeah. And so he, uh. he wanted to know that. And, you know, I was thinking, you know what? It's changed, changed a lot over the 12 years, but at the beginning, it was like a really boring environment uh, it's sexually. Vanilla. It was super it vanilla. Was vanilla. Like it seemed like people weren't having sex because uh, we, we didn't know how unvanilla it was. Yeah. But it's, it's I thought it was like, wow, there's I, nobody's in couples here and everyone's like like monkish and I have a great story to put it in context. Yeah. Okay. The story I have that, that can address that, just to give you an idea, when the center was in Union Square, so this must have been two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, there was basically three of us three to four of us that ran the New York city center. And it was mostly uh, another friend of mine and I uh, who taught the classes. And there was a woman in the class that he came to me one day and he said, I don't think it's okay that I'm teaching her classes and running her, her goals program, her goals aspect. Cause I'm attracted to her. I'm interested in her. So could you teach her classes? And so that's the level of awareness of, and this is somebody a, they got, he got married, he ended up marrying her. He ended yeah. up asking her out, going through a whole process of like, you know, it was, it was very professional. And the reason, he, and we had a conversation about it. He's like, I don't think, you know, when people come here to work on themselves, they should have a, an instructor hitting on them. So that was something that was self-governed, you know, away from, from Albany. Meanwhile, back in Albany, you know. And then we found out later in the trial, they were having threesomes over lunch hour. So, so just <laughs> to know? give you, just to put in context, like, you know, that's, that was really the atmosphere we thought we were cultivating. <laughs> Right? No, pun intended. no pun intended. No, it was but, very it was supposed to be very mindful. We yeah. were like we were we were taught like there's certain things that people like, do in trainings to cover up their issues. They eat, they smoke, they flirt. So we were to be very careful about that. And well, yeah. th my point is just to, to give you an example of how like people in Keith's orbit were thinking in a way of like what's appropriate. They're being mindful, and he was the least mindful and least appropriate of everyone in the entire lot. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking crazy to me. Yeah. Somebody had said that it looked like we we're having so much fun in one of the videos, but like it was kind of boring in that way. It I mean, seemed, look, here, you know, I mean, this is the whole thing, right? Like the closer to Keith it was, the more fucked up it was. And if you were someone who lived in Mexico City, LA, Vancouver, and there's a, even New York City, there's a center there where you go and you bring your goals weekly. And it was benign, even boring. So no, there was not a culture of, of yeah. section polyamory yeah. and, and swinging or anything. But like that's that. what makes the headlines. That's what makes the news. I understand that. But no, for ninety nine percent of the people, it's you know that's not what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, somebody asked what our relationship now is with personal development, and I know f- for me, I find it very difficult to yeah, just the whole. I, I think the, the assumption there is, would you do it? And are you, well, what do I think about it? Like in general, I feel like that there is just a lot of people who aren't trained properly in the field and t- collecting money and p- maybe have bad intentions. It's just the whole thing's kind of gross to me, to be honest. But I'm you know maybe down the road I'll be able to get more into it. And that's something we will talk about a lot in this podcast is when you're doing a workshop like that. Like when when does it feel like oh this is, it's, is it is it a group? Are you discussing personal things? Oh my god, it's just like in the movie the or the you know the docu series the vow it must be a cult it might not be there's lots of great workshops out there but how do you determine between that feels a little culty to me too like oh this is a cult run well, well you we'll, can measure it. i mean that's hopefully what we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna map out right mm-hmm. like you, there are quantifiable things and things that we can all agree upon uh when something's about to go south mm-hmm. um or it's all where it has bad intent behind it uh, i think we're to answer the previous question, I can spot that. Yeah, and and they'll be we're going to go through a whole list. We are going to talk about very specific red flags in all contexts, not just personal development seminars, but anything that may may be culty. Um, what are the things to look out for? Of course, we probably have time for like one or two more questions. So here, here's just the gestalt of them. How did okay. your personal relationship with each other change? Did it change after ESP? Did you have to get to know each other all over again? Let's answer those. I mean, I think the overall like the three or four of these questions I can answer kind of all at once. And and I've said this and I've said this before I married your character and, you know, throughout this whole thing, I've seen it be what I thought it was the entire time, except when you bust my balls a little bit. (laughs) I mean, you know, I give you a hall pass there and sometimes I deserve it. And I think if that's the, it's like a family member. It's if that's the foundation of your relationship and it's tested and it survives, it's going to be stronger. Here's the thing with this question too. It's, it's interesting. We both got hit with the same incident at, at the same time, right. And had to go through what we had to go through at the same time. And we made a lot of really good decisions in a short amount of time that I don't think you and I could have done without each other. And we played our roles really, really well and trusted the right people. And, and that even got strengthened. And we're raising two kids at the same time. In a pandemic. In a now. pandemic, <laughs> which has actually been a blessing. For us. And yeah. I, we kind of, we turned it into that. Yeah, kicked, it off, kicked it off with a little Tiger King and the Michael Jordan's <laughs> last dance. And that was, quarantine was off and running. I mean, we, we, we probably had the rest and the reconciliation as a family in terms of like reconnecting, but truthfully it's, it was what we needed because we were so like, my nippy calls me a gerbil on speed. And then, and then when we left, no. we were, we were working with the same tenacity and the same fervor. And then we never, we never had time. We never took a break. And so when COVID hit, it was like, okay, we don't have to audition. We don't have to fight. We're not going to go to have to go to New York for any more legal stuff. It's just, we can just chill. And it was good for us. I think. Universe provided. Yeah. And I, I don't want to like echo everything you just said, but one thing I will add about, about us is that, and I agree. I also 
married Nippy for his character and his principles and his values and his, of course, handsome good looks. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, Obviously. <laughs> I think you have to say that. I mean, they, they know that, Sarah. What do you say, Dip? It's just go science. Go on, go on, go on. It's just science. You were saying? But I also, you know, there were lots about him that I didn't know. And I think when we got out, what we did have to do was, and we're still doing, is getting to know each other. Uh, we never actually got a honeymoon together because we... We scheduled our wedding around trainings. Yeah. The only the only date we could have our wedding was the day there was no other trainings in the company so that, you know, Nancy and the higher ranks could attend, Nancy and Lauren. It's a red flag. That was a red flag. It's a so bright red we flag. We didn't have time for a honeymoon. There was no time. That would have been satiative, which was an uh, ESP executive success program's word for being like too indulgent, essentially, to satiate in something like a honeymoon. We should, we should do an, an episode where we just go through like the gaslighting techniques. Oh, I thought you were going to say we're going to do a podcast where we go on a honeymoon. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do both. We'll do a no, honeymoon podcast. No, fucking way. It, what? You don't want to go on a honeymoon? No, I want to go. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. Okay. I'm not doing a podcast on honeymoon. What I got more into, what you and all your girlfriends are doing, like with the spiritual stuff, mm-hmm. which I just, <laughs> Sarah knows, dude, like the secret, like and all that stuff. I used to just make fun of like. I'm not promoting the secret just so you know. I'm No. Well, and I don't want to shit talk. That was one of my things, but I did some of it. And I also, I coupled it with some of like the reading I was doing, David Hawkins and, and, and that, and that sort of thing. And, um, it really got me open to and kind of willing to see certain things that I would just dismiss before. And I started looking at that whole world. I was like, what is the downside of just at least knowing about it and signs manifesting shit like that fucking works. <laughs> um, <laughs> I never thought I would hear this. I know, dude, I'm eating my humble pie again. He even lets me, Light some sage and smudge it around him if he's in a bad mood. I'm down with sage. It smells, smells good. It's not bad. It's like a campfire. And like coming back to your apartment, it smells like a campfire. I'm down with it. Campfire is a good smell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it like cleanses my shit or anything like that, but. Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, but <clears throat> I like it. Anyway. Our indoctrinations were different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did a training in 2001. I wasn't really there f- for an actual training and personal growth, the person that enrolled me was a friend of mine from high school and I used to date, right? So I went kind of kicking and screaming. I told that person I would never do their cult before I went in it, right? That was my response to it. Went and did it. Um, Keith spoke in my first training. Um, I happened to have been reading a book called The Death of Outrage by Bill Bennett at the time. And that was about primarily Bill Clinton and the scandal he had with Monica Lewinsky. And I was probably 26 at the time. and decided to take a training and the training was talking about like how we had poor leaders, how we could have a better world. So that was kind of where my hook was. Mm-hmm. It was more of like, dude, I agree with a lot of this stuff. And at 20, my late twenties or whatever it was, I just thought that was ridiculous that that stuff was going on in the white house. So it kind of came on the heels of me thinking that. And then that was the first time I met Keith. He did a forum. Then I went to volleyball, right. For the first time. Mm-hmm. And he presented himself like a dirty laundry bag. I mean, he was dressed literally like a dirty laundry bag and knee pads. And, and when I went up and spoke to him and had kind of a one-on-one, his personality kind of was like a dirty laundry bag. It wasn't much. I was like, all right, you know, I was super underwhelmed, but I had seen him speak about in the forum. So he still had a little bit of credibility and was being endorsed and love bombed by everyone else. I thought, okay, you know, hall pass with the, 
you know, 70s porn star look and slowly was involved. And I was involved for like a year and a half. And then I left in 2003. And why'd you come back? Well, first of all, why I left is because I didn't think Vanguard sashes and bowing were going to catch on. And there wasn't leadership there. I didn't think anyone was going to get this thing to grow. So I left and I wasn't like, fuck you when I left. I was just like, cool, peace out. You guys do the Vanguard sashes thing. The Forbes article had an effect. I was like, hmm, I see the optics of this. The Bronfman thing never really felt right right to me, Mm -hmm. but they were fine and they didn't have a problem with it. So I didn't, if they weren't upset, why should I be upset was kind of my thing. And then I leave. And then in 2006, Mark Vicente invites me back to do a film. So I was invited back for work. I didn't go back because I felt like I want to make this mission work. So it was an interesting thing because most people had indoctrination. Mine was I left because I didn't think it would work. And when I came back, it was working. And also you were invited to do a film, which yes. you were pursuing at the time. Right. And- I was in LA at the time. But, but my point is, is when I came back, the organization was different. Yeah. My opinion of it in 2003 of it not catching on and working was proven wrong. Yeah. You thought, oh, it could work. I was like, oh shit, this can work. Right. That was, you know, you know, my kind of indoctrination. And I think people's indoctrination is case by case. Right. Absolutely. Well, he, but also the thing that's the same is that he dangled people's dreams and, right, right. and got them to come, you know, to Albany to, to get the thing that they- he got Mark to dangle my dream. Yeah. He didn't do it. Yes. So he could blame Mark and Mark did get blamed for that. Yeah. He got people to do his work for him. He had all these, all these flying monkeys and they were the ones that would go and hemp for him with the dangle of the carrot of people's various goals and dreams. We have so many good stories that haven't been heard and we haven't shared anywhere else. So we can't wait to share those with you. But we also like, we really we want- We should to- have anecdote time on our podcast. Anecdote. Just one, one story. I was going to, I was going to call it that, the segment of our show that we call that really chaps my ass. Just one thing about, about Nexium that we didn't like. <laughs> You know what chapped my ass? And you can be like, what, Nippy? You know, I'll, you know, I'll tell it. you one thing that chapped my ass is that I got in trouble for bringing so many people from Vancouver who were gluten-free. And that was apparently such a strain on the budget. Nancy pulled me into her office and she said, do you know what a good recruiter you are? You recruited all these people who are gluten-free. And that's just a disintegration. Yeah, They're not gluten-free. You, you know what the best part about it was? What? That shit got gluten, gluten-free pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the place was gluten-free like within a year. <laughs> that did chat my ass. Yeah. I got in trouble for stupid shit. Anyway, yeah. we're so excited. We've got we've got experts. We've got survivors. We've got whistleblowers. We've got thought leaders all lined up to tell you good, good stuff, good stories, and to educate. So we're going to educate. We'll have anecdotes. We're going to teach you some of the nuggets that we got. So like we said, you don't have to join a cult. And we're open to suggestions. So interact with us on Instagram and make sure to subscribe because that really helps. Apparently we're learning. That's what we've been told. We got to ask. So please do that for us. And what else? Yeah. Should we tease them a little bit with some of the guests that we have? Can we announce some of them? No, it's going to be a surprise. Oh my God. Think of like, (laughs) Oh my God. We better get good at this quickly. We got to get good. Because we got some, we got some good guests coming. We need to get good at this. Until then. Yeah. Until then you're listening to Sarah and Nippy with Let's keep the conversation going. We'll be back soon with more episodes of A Little Bit Culty with more experts and survivors. 
and sometimes experts who are survivors, as well as some familiar faces from The Vow from HBO. If you've got suggestions or questions on upcoming topics, find us on Instagram at a little bit culty. And for more background on what brought me here, my memoir, Scarred, the true story of how I escaped Nexium, the cult that bound my life, is available on Amazon, Audible, and where most books are sold. If you'd like to help us spread the word about a little bit culty podcast, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Seriously, like take out their phone and tell them to press subscribe. It takes a second. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. And if you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast to find show notes and helpful resources. You might also find some offers from our sponsors there. And when you support our sponsors, you help us keep this podcast going. Just don't be a little bit culty about it. A Little Bit Culty is executive produced by me, your co-host, Sarah Edmondson, and Anthony Nippy Ames. That's me. Associate producer is Jess Tardy. Produced, edited, mixed, and mastered by Citizens of Sound. Our amazing theme song, Cultivated, is by John Bryant and co-written by Nigel Asselin. Additional original music is composed by Will Rutherford. I'm Sarah Edmondson, and thanks for listening to A Little Bit Culty. Thank you so much.